And this morning, we're continuing our look at the Holy Spirit, who He is and what He does. And we're going to be spending the bulk of our time today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first section of it, and then I'm going to jump all the way down to the latter sections of it. But today, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates in your life and in my life through this gifting that He does. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start at verse 1, and then when I get through verse 11, I'm going to jump down to verse 27. And this is what it says, starting with verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Then if you jump down to verse 27, we read this. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to be able to look at your word together today. And we're so grateful for the work that your Holy Spirit does in our lives. And in the past group of weeks, as we've been able to take a look at what your word says about his ministry and his activity and the the ways in which we are equipped for service. We're just so grateful for what your word teaches us. And Father, we pray that as we learn today more about the gifting of the Holy Spirit, how he gifts us for service, we pray that we would understand how to apply these truths to our day-to-day lives, and we pray that we would receive this truth in a way that that we're not just looking to improve our head knowledge, although that's certainly valuable, but we're also looking to live out what you've taught us in your word. We know, Lord, that this is a portion of Scripture that gives us some information that's not just meant to be contemplated, it's meant to be lived out in a very active way. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to understand what we're reading together, and we pray that we would grow in our walk with you as a result as we serve one another for your glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So in this portion of Scripture that we just read together, and we're going to revisit these verses that we just read, but in this portion of Scripture, you have the Holy Spirit sharing through the Apostle Paul the ways in which God chooses to supernaturally gift His followers for serving within His kingdom. Now, it would be kind of an interesting question for us all to answer, but I'm not going to have us answer this out loud, obviously, but do you think of yourself as particularly gifted? You know, when you think of yourself, when you think of your life, when you think of how God's designed you or shaped you, do you think of yourself as particularly gifted? Is that a way you would describe yourself? And, and if you were to ask any group of people who know you rather well, if you ask them to describe what they felt like you were particularly good at, what do you think they would say? Now, I had the opportunity uh, earlier this week to be part of a, a writer's conference, and um, one of the things that was done as an activity, because this group of writers, we've gotten to know each other rather well, one of the things that we were asked to do was to just think of a word that would describe the other people in this room. And we each took turns just kind of thinking of what our word would be for this person or for this person. And it was very interesting to hear the things that people said about each other and then hearing the things that people said about, about me. And as I'm listening to these descriptions being said, we all took turns doing this, it basically was a moment in time where we revealed to each other what we thought each other's strengths happened to be. You know, as we were looking at each other and thinking about how each of us operated, it was a moment where we were saying, all right, this is where you seem to be particularly gifted. This is where you seem to be particularly strong. This is maybe even where you seem to be particularly talented. And it was a very revealing exercise. I don't know if... Um, if you ever listen to conservative talk radio or anything like that, or talk radio of any kind, do you ever listen to, to that? Some do and some don't. Some probably be like, oh, please spare me. Um, are you familiar with the name Rush Limbaugh? Let me just look around at faces. Like Some people love the guy and some people hate the guy. I don't know what your thoughts are, are on Rush. But have you ever heard how he would open his show? He would often say that he had talent on loan from God. I don't know what you think about that phrase, talent on loan from God. I, I look at that and I think to myself, that's a really useful way to describe the way that the Lord has gifted us. That you have abilities or you have talents or you have strengths on loan from God. I think that's a special thing. Our gifts and our talents, they're a stewardship that God entrusts to us so we could use them to glorify His name, so that we could use them to serve one another. And when we read through 1 Corinthians 12, which we just read through, but we're going to revisit some of these verses here, you can actually see that the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about the ways that the Lord supernaturally gifts us. And I think this is a very interesting and a very practical portion of Scripture, because when you look at a portion of Scripture like this, what you realize is that this is something that we're called to live out and we're enabled to live out with supernatural help and supernatural guidance. Now, when you look at the first three verses there, I'm going to reread these for us. One of the things that the Apostle Paul is trying to do is inform us about what God is doing in our lives. If you look at the, those opening verses, he says it this way. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, so he's setting this up to tell us what he's talking about. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. 
Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I'm noticing at this season of life is that I get very, very sentimental, more sentimental than I think I was at an earlier season of life. I'm at that, that awkward season where my children, one at a time, are becoming adults. So they're 23, 21, 19, and 17, the nerve of them to get older, right? The nerve of them. But here's the thing, and you don't realize like, how quickly the time's going to go by when they're, they're younger, but it goes by like that. And I was thinking earlier this week about some of the car trips that we used to take as a family. We have one coming up later this week where we're going to be spending time together, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I savor that stuff because it's not as common as it once was because everyone's kind of living their own life, and I get really sentimental about it. And I was thinking earlier this week about when we would all load up in our van and we would go somewhere, and if I said something to Andrea or if Andrea said something to me, the van would go silent. And I was like, they're snooping on us. Like, that's what, and like, we would try and talk to each other because they wanted to know, like, they're about to tell us where we're about to stop and eat or what's going on. Or maybe they're just talking about something that's going on in their life, but the kids wanted to know. And I remember at one point, one of the kids from, this is years ago, from the back of the van, as I said something to my wife, I hear from the back, hey, what did you say? <laughs> it's like, what did you say? We want to know. We want to be informed. No one wants to be uninformed. I get that, right? Even from an early age. And I think it's interesting when you look at how Paul starts off this section here regarding the church at Corinth, Paul wants to make sure that the church was not uninformed about something. Saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to have the information that you need. And specifically, he wanted them to have the information they needed about the important work that God was attempting to do in their lives. Paul wanted to make sure that they understood the often misunderstood concept of spiritual gifting and how spiritual gifts play out in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, what is a spiritual gift? I don't know if you're familiar with this concept or not. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but I just want to let you know what it is. A spiritual gift is a special ability to serve other Christians for God's glory. It's a special ability that God gives you, and it's different from a natural ability. You may have different natural abilities. Maybe some of you can run fast. Some of you can jump high. Some of you are excellent singers. Some of you are really good at, at doing math. Um, you may have certain natural abilities that's got, that God has blessed you in, in particular ways with, and you can identify. But a spiritual gift is different from a natural ability. It's something that supernaturally the Lord equips you with so that you could serve other people and bring Christ glory. And every believer in Jesus Christ, again, I asked earlier, do you consider yourself particularly gifted? Well, every believer in Jesus Christ has received at least one spiritual gift. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. There is no exception. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift, and some have more than one spiritual gift. Many believers have more than one spiritual gift, but you have at least one, and you're encouraged to use it. And here's the other thing that's interesting. We haven't been gifted in the same way. So you may have certain gifts, and the person sitting directly next to you may be gifted in completely different ways. But these are things that the Lord has gifted us to use and to, to make make use of. And it's interesting when you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, if you've never read through the book, 
uh, I'd encourage you to do so. I remember when I was a teenager, I asked my, um, I asked my friend, I was visiting his church one Sunday morning, and, um, and I said, what's your church like? And he said, it's a real Corinthian church. That's what he said, and I'm thinking, like in structure, does it have columns or something like that outside of it? Some of you, I'm looking uh, out into the congregation, some of you are with us for the very first time today. Well, I can attest to you that our church family is not a Corinthian church in the sense that my friend um, called his church a Corinthian church, but I remember I asked him, I said, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? He said, do you ever read through the book of 1 Corinthians? And I was a teenager at the time, and I hadn't read it through, and I said, no, I haven't read that through. And he said, okay, well, the Corinthian church argued about everything. Like, they fought about everything. They divided about everything. Like, that was just the way the church was. They would just fight constantly, and they would divide. They were, it was a very divisive church, which is really a strange thing to think that that would be the case in a local church. But I have seen many Corinthian churches, even in our present day. And so, among the issues that had divided the Corinthian church, you would think that spiritual gifts would not be one that would seem all that divisive. The fact that God had equipped people to do certain things so that they could serve one another in love while giving His name glory does not sound all that controversial. And yet, in this context, apparently, this was an issue they were squabbling about and they were being divisive about. It feels like when you read through the book, it actually seems that many of the believers may have been bragging about some of the ways that God had gifted them. So could you imagine that? You know, God gifts you in a particular way, and instead of using it to serve somebody else in love, you use it to boast and brag about what God has done for you? Well, that seems like a very counterproductive way to use a gift. And now some of the, the people in the Corinthian church were also using their giftedness as an excuse to avoid other people who had been gifted differently. So some were boasting and bragging about their gifts, and some people were avoiding other people who had been gifted differently. And you look at that, and I just think, what a shame. You know, the Apostle John made it clear that believers should be known for our love for one another. And here you have the Apostle Paul confronting the church at Corinth about a variety of things as he's trying to teach them. And he's trying to encourage them, listen, don't be divided about these things. Use these things. Use these gifts to build one another up, because the church was clearly missing the point of the great work that the Holy Spirit was trying to do in their midst. And I think one of the things that appears to have been part of the confusion here is that many of the people that were in this church had come from deeply pagan backgrounds. And I think they were struggling to understand how some of the traditions that they had experienced during their years of, of being involved in paganism would actually... Uh, factor into what their day-to-day -day life was now as a Christian. And one of the gifts here that you have the Apostle Paul mentioning in this passage is the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues is a gift where the Lord communicates His truths through someone in a language that they do not naturally know. And uh, Satan loves to mock and distort whatever God is doing. And it's my understanding that in some of the pagan religions of the time, that evil spirits would routinely speak through those who were worshiping idols. And so that's why you have Paul here say, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. He's showing a contrast between the spirit speaking and these idols that are mute, but apparently it was a common thing that evil spirits would routinely speak through those who were worshiping idols. And so among what Paul was communicating here, he wanted them to understand that the experience of 
being guided and directed and gifted through the Holy Spirit and having Him speak through you is an utterly different experience from what they had experienced in the past in their season of idol worship. And here you have a stark difference that Paul's trying to emphasize, and he says that this is going to be one of the telltale signs of whether or not somebody is ultimately serving the Lord or, or, or whether they're just off on their own. And he says, this is always basically where the rubber meets the road. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And then he says, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. What he's saying, if you make that profession, if that's something that comes out of your mouth, you're not going to make that profession and mean it if the Holy Spirit hasn't taken up residence within you and influenced you to say that. That's the way he's talking about the Spirit of God speaking through somebody. And by the way, this is also the test of our faith. You know, if you want to test your faith, answer this question. Who is Jesus to you? Because, or you can even say, what do you say about him, right? What do you say about Jesus? Who is he to you? Because it's important to understand, you know, do we confess that he's Lord? Do we confess that he's God? Do we confess that he's Savior? Is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of my life? Or do we treat him like a distant teacher? one who shares wise things that we find interesting, but we relegate him maybe to the corner of, of the past. Are we informed about what he wants to do in our life? Who is Jesus to us? Do we actually know who he is? And so you have the Apostle Paul trying to help the, the early church, the church at Corinth, to understand who Jesus is and what they ought to even be saying about him, but also how they ought to be treating one another in the context of the Holy Spirit raising them up and gifting them and giving them abilities to serve one another for the common good. And then you look at that next section of Scripture. When you look at verses 4 through 11, you have the Apostle Paul, in a little bit of a longer paragraph here, he talks about the fact that there are a variety of ways that the Holy Spirit works in the lives of people. And again, I, you know, I'd be curious to know, and again, you don't have to say this out loud, have you ever tried to figure out how the Spirit of God has gifted you specifically, or where you're not gifted. Do you ever take one of those inventories online? I don't always know how accurate they are, but I will tell you that they often give me similar results. But there are actually inventories you could take online that'll try and help you figure out your spiritual gifting. And so I've taken some of those tests, and they seem pretty okay. I'm sure some are better than others. It also tells you where you're weakest. And I've often confessed that, um, you know, usually when I take those tests, it tells me that I'm gifted in areas of teaching, leadership, and administration. And, it, and what, uh, what level it puts that on is different every time I take that test. Sometimes it's just in that order. Sometimes it's in a little bit of a different order. And then it almost always tells me that where I'm least gifted is in areas of mercy, which I always think is very ironic that I ended up serving as a pastor because I think to myself, how did I get credentialed to serve in this role when these gift tests keep telling me that I'm not particularly gifted in mercy? But the truth is, like, as I've noticed in my own life, I'm like, I show mercy and I try to be merciful, but it's an act of the will. It's an act of, of trying to do the right thing because I want to honor Christ. I just don't feel particularly gifted at it. And so what I like to do is I like to spend time with people that are particularly gifted in that area so I could learn what it looks like to be merciful. So just because I don't feel like I'm like gifted in that doesn't mean I'm excused from showing mercy. You can't just say, well, 
I don't have to show mercy because I'm not gifted there. It's like, no, what it means is you need to hang out with somebody who's merciful so you can learn to be merciful and then also be merciful like Christ is merciful. So it's no excuse to not do it. It just means I need to find people that are gifted and then they rub off on me. Thankfully, I married one of them. <laughs> and I'm like, so how, what, what's it like to be nice to people? Like, I just, like, what, what is it? What is that? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. I will, I will try my best to learn. Um, but you have Paul here saying, is that Rose laughing? I hear you in the background, Rose. Why are you mocking me from the back? I'm just kidding. Um, but when you look at verse 4, I'll, I'll just reread this. From verse 4 down to verse 11, you have Paul talking about a variety of gifts. And, and the idea is, wherever you're gifted, use the gift for the common good. There's going to be something in the, you know, there's a variety of lists in Scripture. This is just one of them that talk about spiritual gifting. And I'll go through a variety of lists in a second here. But let's just start with this one. Let me reread this one here. He says in verse 4 down to verse 11, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then he says, to each is given. So he's saying to every believer, every believer, that's what he means by this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So for everyone's good. You've been gifted so that everyone would benefit from your gift. Not just you benefiting, but that you would use your gift to serve other people, right? And then he starts listing here what many theologians refer to as some of the sign gifts. Now, I'm going to clarify this in a little bit, and I'm going to show you some of the other lists as well, but let's start with the gifts that Paul mentions in this list. He says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge through the same spirit, uh, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And then he says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So you have the Holy Spirit as He wills apportioning gifts to each believer how He sees fit to do so. And I like teaching about portions of Scripture like this because this is actually one of those passages of Scripture that people struggle to know what to do with. A lot of times people come to a portion of Scripture like this and they're like, I don't know what to do with that. And ironically, just as the Corinthians would argue about spiritual gifting, this is actually one of the portions of Scripture in the New Testament that well-meaning believers sometimes argue about. I don't think we should argue about it. I think we should just look at what it says and give some thought to it and ask the Spirit of God to help us understand what we're reading but a lot of people struggle to know what to do with a portion of Scripture like this. And you hear, here you have Paul, he's describing a partial list of some of the ways that the Holy Spirit has empowered believers in Jesus Christ to serve their brothers and sisters in the faith. And you have Paul here emphasizing that gifts are given to each and every Christian. There's no exception. He speaks about gifts here like the utterances of wisdom and knowledge. He also talks about faith talks about healing. He talks about miracles. He references prophecy. He references the ability to distinguish between spirits. He also talks about speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. But when you look at other places in Scripture, there are additional lists of ways in which the Spirit of God gifts people. There's actually a very easy way to remember it. 
you've got two 12s and two 4s. So you have Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, which give us good lists of the spiritual gifts. And then you have 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4, which also give us good lists. So if you just remember two 12s and two 4s, you'll find most of the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in Scripture. But I'll just give you that list. I'll summarize it for us. So some of the other gifts that are listed elsewhere include, and see if you could pick out one or two that might fit with where you think the Spirit has gifted you. So some of the lists include helping. So do you ever, do you ever re- I, I actually feel like that's how my dad is gifted. He's gifted with like the desire to help people. He's always looking for a way to help somebody. So helping is a gift of the Spirit, that you would have an eye for it or a heart for it. Administration, ministry slash service, teaching, encouragement. Do you ever... Uh, do you ever, does, has the Lord strategically placed a couple people in your life that are gifted encouragers? Aren't those people great? <laughs> I have a few people in my life that are just gifted encouragers. I'm like, I'm so glad I know you. Like, you're just wonderful people. I actually think, by the way, um, when you look back in, in the book of Acts, you could see Barnabas traveling with the apostles. Barnabas was his nickname. His real name was Joseph. Do you know what Barnabas actually means? It's a nickname. It means son of encouragement. He was gifted with encouragement, and I think the Lord strategically placed that encourager among the apostles because they were doing a very hard thing, and they would need someone to kind of help pick up their spirits. Giving is another gift. Leadership is a gift. Mercy is a gift. We mentioned that one already. Apostleship, evangelism. Some people are just really gifted evangelists. We should all evangelize whether we feel like we're gifted at it or not, but some people really show the way on how that can be done. Pastoral guidance, Ephesians 4 talks about. Uh, Romans 12 talks about grace. A will- how about this? In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul will reference this, so we, uh, but I'll just summarize it. Some people have a gift for a willingness to face martyrdom. That's a real gift. There's some people, if, if you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, some people, you could just tell they, they, were, they were made for that moment. The Lord gifted them with a willingness to face martyrdom. Uh, Romans 8 talks about the, the gift of intercession. 1 Peter 4 talks about some people with a gift of hospitality. Those people are real fun to hang out with, aren't they? They will make you obese. Um, some people, Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, some people have the gift of celibacy. And the truth is, I think we're more comfortable talking about the gifts that are mentioned elsewhere in Scripture than the gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, where we're at today. Because, you know, if I talk about, like, somebody having the gift of hospitality, that's not a controversial thing. If I talk about somebody having the gift of leadership, people don't tend to argue about that, or a gift of teaching, or evangelism, or administration, stuff like that. But the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I don't know if any of them seem this way to you, but I think sometimes people would look at a list like this and they would say, that seems a little freaky. Like, what do you mean someone has the gift of healing or miracles? Like, really? These are real things? Um, And in our present day, I think a lot of times the acceptance of these gifts tends to be associated with some pretty strange preachers. And I've seen some people try and be, um, like, they try and showboat and they try and be charlatans, really trying to gain attention more to themselves than to Christ. 
Now, here's the thing. Growing up, I didn't even know that there were people who believed that the gifts that Paul mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians 12 were active today. I had no idea. I found that out when I applied to go to a Christian college, and one of the things that I had to answer on my application was I had agreed that I wouldn't speak in tongues. And I'm like, I was like, what do they mean by that? Like, that I would agree to not speak in tongues. I was like, and I actually said out loud to my mother, I was like, what do they think? Like, I'm an apostle or a first century Christian? Like, why would they ask me not to speak in tongues? I'd never even heard that there were people that thought you could do that today. And I was like, no, I don't speak in tongues. I was really puzzled by that, completely unaware. And then when I was a new pastor, fresh out of college, I, uh, I'll tell you, I was pretty adamantly opposed to the thought that God was still using some of the gifts that were mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, but I also found it very curious and very interesting that in the town that I was serving in, the pastors that I most enjoyed having fellowship with were the guys who very much felt like those gifts were in use today. Uh, many of them, their background was an Assembly of God background. And uh, that tends to be one of the denominations that uh, emphasizes the, the use of some of those gifts today. And I found myself really like kind of scratching my head a little bit. And I was like, well, are these gifts that are in use for today or are some of these things that were used during the first century uh, before the New Testament was written and maybe they were used to authenticate that the message being shared during that period of time was actual and real, but once the New Testament was written, their use was unnecessary. And, uh, and so I debated that, but I could tell you that the guys that I really enjoyed hanging out with were the guys that very much thought that these gifts were active today, gifts like speaking in tongues, gifts like, um, you know, like some of the things that Paul says here where he says, you know, the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge by the Spirit, even gifts of healing and, and things like that, working of miracles and prophecy. I found myself scratching my head. So since this tends to be an area that believers tend to get divisive about, even in our day. Uh, what do you think? Let's just take a public vote and uh, see where we all stand. On no, we're not going to do that. Um, but I, I, do, I would encourage you to give a little thought to this, and I'm not going to tell you even what to believe on it. I will tell you where I lean, but I'm not saying this prescriptively, okay? So if you disagree with me, if you feel differently about this, we could still be friends. We don't have to be Corinthians, okay? We could be... Langhornians, all right, or, or Pendelians, or Newtownians, whatever, wherever you're from, or Levittownians, uh, or Bristolians. I don't know, what, what do they call you if you're from Bristol? Is that awesome? Is it, oh, Bristolites? All right. Either way. Um, are these gifts for today? Or do you think maybe they're, that, that they were being used prior to the New Testament being written down as a way to authenticate the message of the gospel, and then their purpose was fulfilled, or do you think that there's still gifts that Christ is using to build his church? And let me, let me throw a wrinkle in there that makes me also like think a little bit about this. I have a friend, uh, Bill Vasey is his name, and he's, he's in his, I think he's in his 70s now, and he's one of the, like, I think he's just a, a wonderful guy, and uh, he translated the Bible into an uncommon Guatemalan dialect some years ago. And then uh, I, I asked him about some of these things, and he said that he, um, you know, like one of the things that, that he's often wondered about is like, all right, is, is that a reference to like a modern day application of the gift of tongues or the gift of interpretation? You know, it was like a, a debate, or is that just an extraordinary aptitude for language? 
You know, you wondered about that. I used to think I had all the answers to this debate. It's kind of interesting. When, uh, the older I get, the, uh, the less definitive I actually feel like being about some of these things. I don't actually feel like, I, I actually prefer to not be overly definitive about it. Now, I'm, I'm old enough and wise enough to tell you that confidently, I don't feel like I know for certain. Um, but I will tell you this, I am still inclined to believe that some of these sign gifts that Paul is mentioning here were primarily used to authenticate the message of the gospel before the New Testament was written down. So that's where I lean. I lean that's a, a pretty conservative theological position on this. But I don't even think deciding that is the greater point of what's being shared here. I don't think me picking a side or you picking a side on that is even the point of what is being shared. I don't actually care if you think that they're being used now or if you think that they were relegated just for that period of time. I think that's a secondary issue that Christians should not divide about. Um, I look at this and I say, all right, I think the greater point is that you would use whatever gift the Lord has given you to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that the point of what Paul's trying to communicate there? Not that we would have, I think those de theological debates are useful, but I don't think, I think they stop being useful the second they become divisive. And I think the bigger point here is that we use whatever gift God has given us to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and build one another up in the faith. And here's the thing, there's a reason you and I don't have all the gifts. Did you catch up on this? Like when we were looking at verse 27? There's a reason you don't have all the gifts. There's a reason I don't have all the gifts. I've only been gifted in a few particular ways. You've only been gifted in a few particular ways. You don't have them all. I don't have them all. When you look at verse 27, you have Paul saying this. Now, you are the body of Christ. So just envision that. We're to function as one body. So that, that speaks of unity, right? Serving together, working together, helping one another out. You know, you, you are the body of Christ, he says, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. And then he makes this point in verse 29, he says, are all apostles? What's he getting at with that? It's a very obvious answer. Are all apostles? No. Okay, well, then he says, are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? Nope. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he goes on to say, that last statement before he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And what's 1 Corinthians 13 all about? Actively demonstrating Christ-centered love toward one another. I'll show you a more excellent way than all of this, he's saying. But I think it's interesting as this chapter closes, you have Paul emphasizing once again that there are a variety of people in the family of God who have been called to serve in a variety of ways, different ways, in fact, that God has established different people to serve in different capacities. And I want you to think about two things related to what he says here. First of all, I want you to think about this. When we look at Jesus, so think of Christ himself in relation to all these things, we actually can see all of these gifts displayed in their perfection. You and I don't have all of these gifts, but when you see Jesus in his nature and in his character, 
He has them all, doesn't he? He displays them all in their perfection. He's the perfection of apostleship. He's the perfection of the prophetic work that he was doing, the perfection of what it means to be a teacher, of working miracles, of healing, and more. And I think in him, we see the presence of anything we could ever hope to be gifted with. But God has very intentionally not gifted me or you with all of the spiritual gifts. Again, you and I have one spiritual gift or possibly several, but not all of them, and that's very much on purpose. But why do you suppose that the Lord ordained that the church would operate this way, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would apportion out gifts in this fashion? Why is the church set up like this? Well, what's the big lesson that the Lord wants us to learn in life? What does He want you and I to get out of this life? What does He want us to learn during our time on this earth? He wants us to learn to trust Him. That's what He wants for you and for me. He wants us to learn to trust Him in every circumstance. And by the way, I know that some of us in our our church family right now are going through very hard seasons right now. The lesson the Lord's trying to teach you in the midst of the season is to trust Him. And you don't have to wait till the season resolves. You can trust Him before it resolves. It's the big lesson He wants us to learn in this life. He wants us to learn what it looks like to experience life in this world, walking by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a life that is, it's not a life that's working or walking by sight. It's a life that is walking by dependence on Christ himself. We're not to depend on our flesh or our abilities. We're to depend on Jesus. And I think if we individually possessed all of these gifts... I think that might have a negative impact on our relationship with Christ, especially in view of the fact that you and I are being taught during this season to trust Him. I think what we might end up doing is failing to perceive our daily need for Him. I think we would stop looking to Him for the things that we lack, and I think we might become overly self-reliant and smug. So I think that just to help encourage humility within the church. I think that's one of the reasons why the Lord has not given each of us all the gifts. I think that's why each of us have some, so that we stay trusting, stay reliant on Christ. And taking that one step further, I also think if we individually possessed all of these gifts, that would, that would um, negatively impact our relationship with one another. Because I don't know that we would still sense the need for our brothers and sisters in Christ in our day-to-day life. I don't know that we would bother to reach out to one another in the same way if we were all gifted in exactly the same way. And I don't think that we would be quite as involved in one another's lives. I even think this week, you know, our vacation Bible school, our kids camp happened this week. And you know how people tend to sign up to serve during a vacation Bible school? According to their gifting. People that are gifted to teach tend to sign up to teach. People that are gifted to use artistic abilities tend to sign up to help create some of the staging. Some of the, the, you know, the food, if you look at some of the people that serve the food and the snacks to the kids, you're going to find some people with the gift of hospitality. When you look at the people organizing things and pointing people in the right direction, you're going to find gifts of administration and gifts of leadership. And it's very interesting to see how that pans out, and it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's a great way for us to use our gifts to serve one another in the church. And what Christ has done, and I'll say this as we finish up this morning, and it's such a beautiful way to set up the church, Christ has He's created us and fashioned us in the church to be interdependent on one another. 
meaning none of us could look at one another and say, I don't need you. Every single one of us needs every single one of us. You know, when I look at, at areas in my life that I'm strong at, I could say, all right, use those gifts to be a blessing to your church family. But one of the things that the Lord's been teaching me the longer I, I've lived, and boy, does it reduce anxiety to really wrestle with this. It, I, I have a habit of trying to do too much myself. Those of you that know me well know that that's the case. And hopefully you've noticed some improvement in that over the time that you've known me. Because one of the things that I actively try to do at this season of life is surround yourself with people that are good at things. Surround yourself with people that are good at things. And when you look at how a church operates, if, if one or two people are trying to do all the things, it doesn't produce a healthy church. I actually know of a church in the coal region here in Pennsylvania that used to be a very, very healthy church. And then somewhere along the way, they, they, uh, a new pastor started serving there that looked at all the responsibilities and ways that people were serving in the church. And he said, you know what, I want to be in charge of that, and I want to be in charge of that, and I want to be in charge of that. And so he started taking those roles away from people that had been serving in those capacities according to their gifting, and many of them have been serving in those capacities for years. And what do you suppose happened to the church over a very short period of time? It literally almost shut down. It got to a spot where it nearly shut down. And, uh, and like there was almost nobody left because what, you know, could you imagine just thinking like, like is church just, am I just called to sit on my hands and stare at other people doing stuff or am I actually called to do something? You had people that felt led of the Lord to serve and they were being robbed of their opportunity to do so. And when you look at how the Lord has set up the church, he's made us interdependent on one another and gifted us purposely and differently so that we could never say, I don't need you. And you could never say, I don't need you. The truth is, we could only say what? We need each other. And in fact, Scripture also makes it clear that if we want to grow mature in our faith, do you know that you, like if you just took a Bible and went to an island by yourself, do you think you could grow mature in your faith? You can make some progress, but I don't think you could grow truly mature by yourself. You need the influence of other believers through whom the Holy Spirit will speak and operate. If, if you and I are going to grow mature, we need the influence of other people that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. We can't grow mature alone. Our faith will not grow mature alone. That's even why we get, Scripture says, don't forsake gathering together. You know, that's why a few years ago when everything was shutting down and all that, I was like, this is driving me nuts because this is the exact opposite of how the church is called to operate. We need one another in our lives. And even, again, I love studying the Bible, but why do we host like Bible studies and things during the week? Can't you just study the Bible on your own? Can't you just pull up YouTube and watch you know, a Bible study? Of course you could do that, but it's not the same. It's not the same as when you have another brother or sister who knows you personally and can help you apply something in your life that maybe you wouldn't have thought to apply a particular way. Or maybe they'll share a personal testimony that impacts you in a way that you're like, you know what, I needed to hear that story because that's so similar to something I'm going through. And again, you look at what the Lord has, has done in His church, and He's so intentional, He's so purposeful, and He's basically set it up so that you and I get to play a part in each other's growth and in each other's relationship with Him. So again, if you have faith in Jesus Christ... You've been gifted to serve others in His name. 
And I just want to encourage us, take time to understand what he's doing in your life. Take time to understand it. He's doing something in your life through his spirit. And as he makes it clear how he's gifted you, use that gift or those gifts, plural, for the common good so that each of us, your brothers and sisters in Christ, will be built up in their faith in Jesus Christ as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for just the privilege that it is to be able to look at a portion of Scripture like this and to really think about the ways in which you gift us through your Spirit. Father, we're so grateful to have the opportunity to think about this topic, and to think about what it looks like to be men and women who are part of your family. Lord, you've gifted us all differently. You've given us different areas where we have aptitudes that we can help encourage one another with and serve one another with and hopefully just instruct one another with as well or, or model what it looks like to serve in a particular way. Lord, it's wonderful to see how you've, how you've built your church and how you continue to help us to grow in our walk with you. We know we can't grow alone. We know that we can't go through life and say that we don't need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We absolutely need one another. We absolutely do. So, Lord, thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you, Father, for giving us the perfect example of what it looks like to have all these attributes and all these ways of service that we see demonstrated in the life of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And again, we pray that as we, as we understand more about how you've gifted us, that we would joyfully and willingly use those gifts to serve others and to bring glory to your name. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all of these things, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.